Welcome to the Monetary Mixtape with Will Hoffman, founder of Hoffman Wealth Management. In this podcast, we help fellow Gen Xers simplify complex wealth issues that are important to Gen X. We do this by cutting out the mundane material and using a refreshing approach to finances in a way this skipped generation appreciates. Join us for this ride where we explore financial planning and wealth management as Will Hoffman draws from almost 20 years of experience and brings to you qualified guests to help be your latchkey to tricky monetary affairs. Welcome to Monetary Mixtape with your host, Will Hoffman, where we talk about the ever-forgotten Generation X. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi there, Will. How are you? I'm great, Wendy. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. And I see we have yet another guest. We do. Um, to try to, to compound on our last discussion with Justin Chung, the money dad, um, and, and how to raise financially savvy children and, and pass those messages along. Um, I thought it would be great for us to get some insight into some of our own financial behaviors and maybe learn a little bit about some of the uh, mistakes that we can avoid or that have made, we have made, you know, learn to correct some behaviors that, that we're making, whether it is from investing, whether it is from spending and, and standing in line at the shopping, uh, at the grocery store, I mean, um, or, or when we're making purchasing decisions online. So, a few weeks ago, I got to go to Horizon Investments, which is an important uh, ally of ours in our business, and really had the pleasure to meet Alice Heath. Alice is joining us today from uh, Horizon. She's a national accounts manager for Horizon, but Alice has a very unique background and a very unique designation in our profession. And I'm going to let her talk a little bit about that. It's it's the BFA designation that is becoming increasingly popular and, and very, very useful for us to work with Gen X clients um, and understand some of the the psychology behind not just investing, but spending as well. So I, um, I'm happy to introduce Alice Heath from Horizon. Hi, Alice. How are you today? Hi, Will. Hi, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, very excited to talk about this topic. As you mentioned, um, my, my designation is a BFA which stands for Behavioral uh, Financial Advisor. And uh, basically what that means is I've gone through training on learning the behavior of investors. Uh, so learning their psychology, what makes them tick, uh, how do they make de their decisions, what affects those decisions. And uh, it's a subject I find very fascinating. Yeah, it, it sounds was, it, fascinating. It, it is. And it was kind of funny it, when, when we met at the conference, Alice and I kind of geeked out a little bit on, on this conversation to the point where folks would come up, they would listen for a second and say, no, 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 I'm not going <laughs> to talk to these folks. Too <laughs> deep for me. <laughs> and, and, it, and it is, um, as an advisor and as an advisor for 20 years, we have seen all kinds of behaviors, um, things that make successful uh, investors and successful wealth accumulators, things that we see occurring. And um, I've mentioned this in the past, advisors' inclination is to, you know, rip open the suit, have the S on their chest and try to step in front of all of these decisions, whether it is spending, whether it is investing, because we know what it takes and we, we know what we want to see our clients do to become successful. And through a lot of it, 
it is the behavior. It's not the market. The market's going to do what the market's going to do. And the market's going to have times of uncertainty and it's going to have times of, of great celebration. But some of these things are self-imposed. And that that's why I thought it was important to to talk with Alice and, and have her shine a light on, on some of this for us. So uh, before we do get into the, the depths of this, Alice, can you give us a little bit about your background and, and what you know, led you to the financial industry and, and ultimately what led you to um, to go after that BFA designation? Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I am, um, I'm a product of the industry. Uh, my mother is an advisor and has been for over 30 years. Um, so she works directly with, uh, with clients. My uh, father has a doctorate in economics. So that was always uh, part of our dinner table conversations. Um, okay. So I always knew finance was going to be the field that I was going to go into. I'm very passionate about it, um, both from the academic side, but also from the, I just want to help people because uh, personal finance is very important. Um, and it's not something that is easily learned. Um, you don't learn it in school. Um, and so um, finance was always something I wanted to pursue. And then how I got into behavioral finance uh, is, is an interesting story. Uh, Will, I think I mentioned when we met that I spent a handful of years in Ireland and right. um, I got my master's there in financial services. And if you've ever been to Ireland, you know that it rains a lot. <laughs> and you don't see the sun often. And being uh, from Southern Louisiana, where it is always hot and sunny, uh, the weather certainly affected my mood. And I was sitting in a lecture one day and talking about uh, rational investors and uh, rational decision-making and, and all of this that uh, classical economics tells you if this happens, then investors act as if they were rational. And it was always as if they were rational. <laughs> and with it pouring down rain outside, you know, I was not in the best of moods. And I'm so not I not rational. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, exactly. And so I, I went up to my professor after class and I said, you know, prof, this is all sounds great, but we're not rational. Like that is not how we act. And he asked me, have you heard of behavioral finance? And I said, no. And now this is after, this is getting my master's. So I had five years of concentrated study on finance and this was never brought up. And uh, that was quite alarming because we're not rational. Um, right. We are, you know, in our roots, completely ir irrational. Yeah. Um, That's what has brought us to, to, to where we are now. Um, and so I did, a, I started doing a lot of study on behavioral finance and I just found it fascinating because it all clicked. It just made sense. And it was uh, a subject that I grew again, very passionate about. And you know, I mentioned my dad being a professor. So that, that academic side of, okay, well, I want things to add up one plus one should equal two. And when I studied behavioral finance, you know, I said, you know what, this all makes sense we are people of pattern patterns can be studied and learned and everything i read about behavioral finance um prospect theory which i'm, I'm sure we'll get into later sure. all these biases it just made sense um and so i do think it is very important as an advisor 
to understand this and to educate clients um, on on this subject because it affects all of us. Sure. Well, and, and understanding it is is first and foremost for us because you know that's why these folks hire us. That's what yeah. that's what they they want us to help them. They you know and hopefully none of us are saying, well, you should hire me because I know all the good investments because we know that's a fallacy. You should hire me because. Our, our visions match, our values match, and um, I want to rip open the sport coat and have the S on my chest and say, this is how we help you the best. And it's funny you say the word irrational because Gen Xers have been through so many irrational financial times. We had you know, the 87 market crash. We had the dot-com bubble burst. We had the 2008 financial crisis. We're going through a little bit of some market volatility um, as we're recording this. So we have we have seen and been around the worst of times, um, if if you will, that seem to be what we remember and help us make those irrational decisions, rather than remembering, you know, leading up to the dot com crash right. or what happened prior to the financial crisis or even what happened leading into the pandemic and what, what the, yeah. you know, the market. So we, we tend to forget the good, remember the bad and, and act irrationally. Help me understand a little bit more about behavioral finance. What, what types of behaviors do we see that make the best investors, the best accumulators? Um, and quite frankly, the, the, the behaviors that advisors are trying to uh, draw out of their clients yeah. so that they they can help make these decisions a little bit easier. Yeah, and and I'll, I'll first start with kind of an explanation of what is behavioral finance. Sure. Um, you know, it is uh, very generalized. Psychology and finance merge together. Um, behavioral finance uh, attempts to understand and explain actual investor behavior uh, in contrast to theorizing about um, investor behavior like classical economics, classical finance does. Okay. Uh, it, it, you know, it is about understanding how people make decisions both individually and collectively. And now what brings out, you know, what is a good uh, behavior? <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I, I would say it's the hands-off type. It's the trust, the, of course, as a Gen Y, I will say, or a, uh, Millennial, I will say, trust the process, but right. it is, it's that, that is the best, that is the best investor behavior. Um, if you look at the doll bar study, um, which comes out every single year, they look at long-term annualized performance of different benchmarks like the S&P or the Barclays Ag Bond versus actual investor behavior um, or investor performance. And the gap is is massive. It's disturbing, um, right? It, it it, is it's disturbing. it's scary, right? And it, and it's all really based off of bad investor behavior, sure. which is buying and selling at the wrong time. And we right. do it all the time. There all, the, are, it, all the time. And and we talked about, you know, 401k's before and what what's tragic about the 401k is is wonderful of, of a benefit it is, as it is is we're in control. Yeah. Our fingers are on the mouse and we're subjecting ourselves to our behaviors, our instincts, our gut. And unfortunately, our gut ends up outweighing our brain when it comes to that, because 
you know, you, you can listen to this. You can hear Alice tell you, we're going to go through some of the list of, of bad behaviors to avoid um, and understanding them, but you're in control when it comes to clicking that mouse mm-hmm. and, and making that change. And anything you read about ultra successful investors, Benjamin Graham, Warren Buffett, JP Morgan, they still made the opposite decisions that most of us will make. And if we wanted to track somebody's portfolio, I think those three guys are are three portfolios and three behaviors who, who would be trying to replicate every day. So, so what are some behaviors to avoid or something to understand when, when our stomach hurts and we want to make a different decision than what we should? Yep. Um, As my mom uh, and grandma have always told me, uh, one, nothing good happens after 10. So if it's after 10 p.m., don't do anything and sleep on it. My dad must have been a little bit of a party animal because he said after midnight, but. (laughs) (laughs) My mom said dark. (laughs) (laughs) It it is. It is um, sleep on it. Go back to what's the goal? What is your purpose? Um, I think that Gen X actually does a pretty good job at this. Now, you you know, going off your previous podcast, how do we pass on good financial uh, behavior and education? Look prior to Gen X, look at the boomers. Um, They went through the depression. Uh, They might've even gone through some uh, wars. And so their values were vastly different than Mm -hmm the Gen Y or the millennials, they were very family oriented. They might not have had much. And so anything that they could save was extremely important to them. And that was important. The idea of having a family, providing for family, that was ingrained in their culture and their values. And that did pass on to um, the Gen X generation. Um, Gen X, they are very, they're self-reliant. They have more of a results-oriented mindset. They are looking for more of a long-term perspective. They have a lot of great brand loyalty. Yes. Uh, They're a little cautious, um, but I want to, I want to go back to brand loyalty uh, because this is where they can get in a little bit of trouble. I mentioned I'm from Southern Louisiana. So Chevron, right? any oil and gas company, if they worked for Chevron, they're holding that stock until sure. as long as they can, even when they, they might should sell it. Right. Uh, but that brand loyalty can hurt uh, investors. Um, that is what uh, we might say is the the endowment yeah. effect. Yes. Endo- okay. It's you put more value on something because it's yours yes. um, than what it, it, it really is. So the endowment effect. Um, we see that with folks that have you know stock plans for their employer yep. is um, when it hits a an ultra high, no way am I selling that. And when it hits a low, they always say, what's well, coming back? Yeah. So they have that endowment bias. And then um, I think the ne- the other one that plays in there is anchoring right? Is that the anchoring bias? What's going to come back? Yeah. And their entire, you know, retirement or their entire net worth is tied to one name Mm -hmm. and they, I mean, it's kind of, I hate when folks refer to um, investing to, you know, they make gambling references, but in this instance, it's almost like 
refusing to get up from the blackjack table when you know that you should. Absolutely. Um, And you, you know, we talking about Chevron, you mentioned a stock portfolio. That is what kind of the Gen X grew up with was, hey, do you have a hot uh, stock tip? Right. And it was word of mouth. Um, Right. That's that dot com era where you could throw a dart at the Wall Street Journal and make a few bucks quickly because... You know, that rising tide lifted all ships in the late 90s. Yeah. And and certainly we saw the rise of technology or at least the, the beginning of technology with Gen X. But um, I like you know a lot about Gen X from a financial, stand, uh, financial planning standpoint is they relied on you guys for the expert. You were mm-hmm. the expert. They went to financial advisors for information, whereas the younger generation at a click of a button on our phone, we have all of the information that we could want at our fingertips. And it's really hard to connect with that generation because we think that, well, we're the experts. Uh, That's not the case. Uh, And so kind of going back to what I was talking about uh, previously, the values uh, that have been passed on, the Gen Y, um, we grew up with a fairly stable household because our parents were value driven and the importance of having a good nest egg and providing for children. Those values were really high up on that list for millennials. It's all about experiences. It's about the next thrill. It's about instant gratification. Uh, And that's, that's really tough. And, you know, it's not, not, not a great generation to try to connect with from a financial standpoint. And so for advisors going back to, Hey, we got to trust the process. I'm the expert. Let me help you with your 401k. Let me help you with college savings. Let me help you with you know buying your first home. Um, that that's that's what you 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 kind of have to focus on. Sure, biases are almost inflamed, right? They they are they are growing and growing, and it's it's going to be tough to really lure them in and and. <laughs> And, and help them because that's what right. we're trying, ultimately just right. trying to help. Now, in a lot of our conversations, you know, while we do a lot of in- investment work for folks, probably an even 50 50 split, a lot of the reasons why our clients will reach out to us in the middle of, uh, of the process, or really they, they call us in the first place is when it comes to spending their money. You know, they've they've accumulated and now it's time to whether it's buy a second home, whether it's whether it's time to start spending on an education for their kids, spending and maybe the perils of overspending end up creeping in as another litany of financial biases and and financial behaviors that we need to be aware of. We need to be aware of when we're doing it. Um, especially with how easy it is to spend on a whim. It doesn't require a drive to a store anymore. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's again, more clicks of the mouse that, you know, everything's on its way by the time we think, Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. So do you see the, the same types of behaviors and spending creep into, to individuals and into consumers? Yeah, I I think you're seeing that more so now uh, with the likes of of Amazon and being able to order things online. Um, I think creating a budget 
sticking to it is super uh, important. One thing that at least credit card companies have caught on to, which which is good, is anyone can can go on to their online statement and actually get a breakdown of exactly what they're spending their money yes. on. And if you're spending money on uh, retail, you can see that. And it's just learning how to one, acknowledge that, okay, I can go back and track my monthly spending. Uh, what am I spending my money on? And going back to aligning it to your values. Is it something that you want? Is it something that you need? Uh, does it align with your values? Which is something right. that during the, the BFA, you do learn how to align values and goals with how you spend money. And if you can do that and you need a financial advisor to hold you accountable, that's going to be one way that you can kind of curb those bad spending behaviors is they call it in the BFA course, uh, freeze game, freeze. Does it, does this spending align with one of your values? Yes or no. If it doesn't, should you reconsider? If it does align with your values, then run it by your financial advisor. But uh, I think aligning spending with values will ultimately really help you stay on track with mm -hmm. not overspending that nest egg because people are living a lot longer. Sure. It's got to stretch. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the conversation we have with our clients. You know, I'm not, I can't look at my, look at you like a 45 year old. I have to look at you as a 92 year old yeah. and, and are we not eating you know, baked beans out of the can when you're 92, that, that becomes the mission is to, you know, make sure that, and that's, that's our obligation as advisors, because we want them to think that long-term, but, but they're not always because there's the next vacation, the next big expense. If you have kids, there's always next big expenses coming up. Said baseball season just started. So we've been <laughs> hundred dollar bats, <laughs> bats and, and gloves. And I told my dad the other day, you know, there's no way that in the three years that I've been buying baseball equipment, there's no way you spent this on my brother and I's entire youth baseball experience. We played a lot of baseball when we were kids. There's no way you spent this on our entire youth baseball experience. What I've spent in three years for one kid. Luckily, yep. there's a younger brother that he can hand everything down to, but it's it's, it's crazy what, what these things cost. I shouldn't say crazy. It's, it's a sign of the times. My dad was probably complaining about how much my baseball club glove cost in 1988. So it, it's, it's just a sign of, of inflation and, and, you know, things getting more expensive. It is funny when I look at these lists of biases um, and behaviors, how many are common between investing and spending when you yeah. have, you know, the emotional and excessive, you have loss aversion, you have confirmation bias, sunk cost fallacy, all of these things that are, you know, and again, those are terms that, that we may mm -hmm. need you to familiarize ourselves with, but they're not just with investing. They're also with spending. What What's the tie in there? So I, whenever I think of spending and biases, the first one that comes to mind is confirmation bias. And confirmation bias is essentially the, the tendency of people to favor information that confirms or strengthens their beliefs uh, or, or values with, with someone else. So for example, I, and I, I think we talked about this, uh, Will, I'm, I'm into fitness. The cold plunge, yes. 
I wanted to buy a cold plunge. Um, and you guys can Google that to, to, to learn what that is. And so instead of asking my, uh, my mom, Hey, do you think this is a good idea? What did I do? I asked my other friends who were also into health and they said, Oh yeah, you should definitely buy it. Now, thankfully it also aligns with some of my values, but where you see confirmation bias is when you want to buy something, um, say you are retired, you really want to buy that car. You talk to your buddies and they say, yeah, man, you should definitely buy that car. That would be so cool. Think about driving down coastal highway. Oh, it's You're a worst sounding it. board. <laughs> yep. But if you ask maybe your wife, uh, hey, <laughs> babe, um, I'm thinking about, about buying this Corvette. She's going to say, absolutely not. We, you know, that's not in our budget. So confirmation bias Um where you ask your friends who you know are kind of agree with you to give you that confidence <laughs> to say, yeah, this is a good idea. You see, I, I see that a lot happening, um, which again is why it's really important to have a financial advisor, yeah. not just to say, hey, you know, no, not to be that, that you know, uh, you're killing my fun, but to just say, hey, do I have enough money for this? Um, can we budget for it? Um, is it something I can't afford now or Will, you might say, hey, that's awesome. I know that you love taking road trips. That's what you said you wanted to do in retirement. Prices are a little high right now. Let's see if we can budget. So in six months or in one year, we can afford that car comfortably and you won't have any regret about it. Yeah. And so certainly when it comes to spending, be very careful who you're asking for advice because you're going <laughs> to ask the person's advice who you know will agree with you. Um, it's always my, my, my dilemma as a financial advisor is, and I'm saying this tongue in cheek because I love Corvettes is telling somebody, no, you shouldn't buy a Corvette would be really, really hard for me to do, but we got to do it. Yeah. It's our job well, is to do the hard stuff. And you bring up a good point just because you're a financial advisor doesn't mean you are, you don't have these biases or right. you're not affected by biases. You absolutely are, but you are a, a little bit less emotionally uh, detached from some of these um, decisions where you can be that, that sounding, sounding box or, or right. that, that. That you can hurt. probably line up your values with the purchase more easily than somebody who's not well, and, and that's in the finances. It's also the important thing of of having a plan that's that's always running in the background because we can easily show them. Yeah, you may be able to afford this Corvette, but this is what it looks like when we remove this money from your plan yep. to replace it with with a depreciating asset. It's so yeah. not fun. And, and, and no, it's not. It's a buzzkill. It, it, it is. It, it's a buzzkill. But you're right. Having the plan allows that to say, yes, the number on your statement says buy the Corvette. Mm -hmm. And it's the devil on your one side of your shoulder. Mm -hmm. And the plan is the angel on the other side that's saying, wow, did I just go back to what it was a cartoon? Like Tom and Jerry always had the devil. In the, <laughs> but Alice. Oh, I know. I know Tom and Jerry. Okay. I just. And the Roadrunner. <laughs> but, but the. Um, you know, the plan is the angel on your shoulder saying, remember, this is what we're here for. Yeah. And, you know, if, if the Corvette's the goal and we have it in the plan and we're trying to accumulate for the Corvette and it's time, it's time. And it's, it's why it's also, you know, they get called emergency funds and they, they get kind of a negative connotation. 
should maybe also look at as an opportunity fund. When that trip that you've always wanted to take is now an option, when the car you've always wanted to buy is now an alternative, mm -hmm. those things need to be communicated and worked in the plan so that so that we are enjoying our life. Because and there's one there's one bias or or behavior that I don't think we realize we're doing as it's occurring, and it's lifestyle inflation. Yeah, that as we start to get promoted. As we move into the C-suite, as we start to have those, you know, the stock options available to us, our our life starts to tick up in its price tag. And we join the country clubs, we buy the cars, we upgrade the house, and all of a sudden we've accumulated, but we don't have more wealth. Yeah. And and all of a sudden we're like, shoot, what happened? And we got all the stuff. But we don't have we don't have the wealth and we're gonna still be working when we're, you know, in our 70s or 80s and and you know, nobody wants to be doing that. So I guess what are what are some tips, some things that we should be doing other than listening to the monetary mixtape that will help folks anchor their behaviors so that they're they're making those decisions and their stomachs don't hurt as bad when the market's down and they don't you know, fall victim to the euphoria when, when things are going good. Yeah. I mean, um, diversification, we, it's been pounded into our heads forever. Right. Um, you need to stay diversified, um, long-term in investing. That is not something that my generation does because we are, uh, we do want instant gratification and, and it's like squirrel and we're on to the next thing, but long-term investing will absolutely help us stay the right course setting very clear goals and objectives working with a financial advisor can certainly help you start to put pen to paper um, and i'm not saying that metaphorically science and psychology has proven time and time again that if you actually write something down you are more likely to stick to it um I, you know if you go to the grocery store i still write out a list of exactly mm -hmm. what i want and if you go to the grocery store without your list, you're going to end up with a bunch of stuff that you're like, oh, I really didn't need that. Right. Uh, but writing, just simply writing down your goals, writing down what you want to do, that is a, a nudge, uh, a cognitive nudge that will absolutely help us stay on course. And then you know, I would say anytime you get you get nervous or you get excited, anytime your heart rate is is thumping, uh, take us, take a step and sleep on it. Mm -hmm. That, that has always been, um, advice that, that I've taken and being part of the generation that is, uh, very impatient. That is one that is hard to overcome, <laughs> but you almost have to be your own, uh, angel voice. Yes. Um, that well, will, that will help. And, you know, our generation is is notoriously independent for, for Gen Xers or entrepreneurs uh, well, was the word that Cam Marston used um, back in our early episodes. And if I can do one commercial for my industry, it is work with a professional because it's hard for us being as independent as we are to hear conflicting advice from, from a professional. But your doctor is going to give you great health advice. Mm -hmm. um, your dentist is going to give you great dental health advice. Your attorney is going to give you good legal advice. Your accountant is going to help you do tax planning. 
financial advisor is no different than any of those other professions. The industry has been cleaned up so much with, with some regulatory changes that now we are giving you, not selling you a financial product, but we are giving you financial advice that will help you in your wealth accumulation phases and in your retirement planning. Um, Alice, if there's something we should have talked about and didn't yet, what's that? I think what drew me to behavioral finance from a practitioner standpoint is as investors, as humans, we are our worst enemy. We do make the wrong decisions at the wrong time, and it is catastrophic. It can be sure. catastrophic. And I'm not talking about you climbing the tree a little too high and falling off and you break your arm. That that can be healed in six months. But when, and I'm I am so passionate about helping people because finance, I mean, it's one of the main causes of, of divorce, mm -hmm. right? It is, this really matters to, to families. And if you make the wrong choice at the wrong time, which we still do today, that can have a lifelong uh, consequences. And so sure, we can get into the academic of behavioral finance and, you know, prospect theory, which says you know, investors value, you know, gains and losses differently because we, we do losses right. hurt, uh, twice as much as gains feel good to us. Um, and we can understand the cognitive implications of why we have these biases working with an advisor um, ultimately will help you prevent making a mistake that has um, effects that could last 20 or 30 years. It can affect whether or not you can send your kids to college. Will your kids have student debt? Will they ever be able to save? And so I think a point that I, I wanna just nail, really nail in is you should work with a financial advisor to help you make the right decisions when they are desperately needed. Mm -hmm. um, and that that is not, which investment is best? It's right. actually, which decision should I make when it comes to buying and selling whatever that underlying instrument is? A financial advisor can can help you make the right decision um, that is that is needed if you want to, which I think everyone's goal is to retire comfortably and not and not have to worry. Um, and I, uh, you know, really applaud you, Will, is that that is exactly what you're doing. And it is so important. And you are helping um, every single one of your clients. Uh, and I hope more people will use a financial advisor um, for those reasons. Well, and it's, it's fortunately for me, it's a fun mission. It, it's, uh, I never feel like I work a day. If, if folks want to learn more, you know, how do they get in touch with you? What are some resources that uh, you would recommend, I think I have a sneaking suspicion as to an author that you would recommend them reading because we're both a big fan of him and um, we're going to work to get him onto the monetary mixtape here soon. Yeah. I, well, if you want to do more research and you are between the age of 35 and 45, go to Google <laughs> <laughs> um, and type in behavioral finance. If you are a little more 
old school and you like reading an actual hardcover book, look for uh, Daniel Kahneman or um, Amos Tversky. They actually won a uh, Nobel Prize in economics, which is quite rare because they're both psychologists. Uh, Those are the (laughs) godfathers of behavioral finance and um, everything that they talk about, certainly fascinating. Um, If you want to have a, a chat, feel free to reach out to me, 704-919-3609. But yeah, uh, the internet has a lot of really good research um, and it's fascinating. Yeah, and you're active on LinkedIn too. They can connect with you, with you there. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Alice Heath. I work for Horizon Investments, so you can find me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Alice. Thanks for all your insight. I know that um, these are things that we're applying every day with our clients and you know, maybe if, if someone hears this and, um, you know, can rethink a decision before it's too late or, or try to correct the behavior so they can start their, you know, their wealth accumulation. And like you said, these are the things that, um, we can't stress enough. They're very, very important to setting yourself, to setting your family on a different trajectory. You know, the counters to these behaviors cause debt, they can cause financial stress in lives. Alice is spot on. It's the leading cause of divorce. It is important to listen. You're right. I am passionate about it. Um, that's, I think that's why we, um, you know, talked about it for so long uh, in Charlotte a few weeks ago, and um, why I, as soon as we spoke, I said I got to have you on um, because it it is it's great insight and great information. Um, if you have any questions for me, very active on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out. Find me as, as Will Hoffman. Um, I do appreciate you all listening. If you do have any questions, I look forward to hearing from you soon. Wendy, do you want to take us home? Well, I would love to. Well, thank you both for being on today. And thank you for joining us. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Don't bounce just yet. The streetlights haven't come on. Thank you for listening to the Monetary Mixtape Podcast. If you thought this episode was dope, then click the follow button to be notified when we drop a new episode. Visit our website at hoffmanwealth.com or give us a call at 724-522-5411. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hoffman Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, a registered investment advisor. Private Advisor Group and Hoffman Wealth Management are separate entities from LPL Financial. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly.